0: American Academy in Berlin Distinguished Visitor Alvin E. Roth recently sat down with the Academy's Christina Gonzalez to discuss his new book, Who Gets What and Why, The New Economics of Matchmaking and Market Design, which is also now available in German.
1: Dr. Roth, thank you so much for your time today and being here to discuss with us your new book. Who Gets What and Why, The New Economics of Matchmaking and Market Design, which is now officially available in German as well, correct?
0: I think that's right, and thank you for having me.
1: I would love it if you could explain just briefly for our listeners what exactly a matchmaking market is, and if you could provide perhaps an example from your book.
0: Well, so I guess the way to start is to say that not all markets are commodity markets. Some markets You can't just choose what you want. You also have to be chosen, and those are matching markets. So uh, getting married is a matching market. You can't just choose your spouse. You also have to be chosen. Uh, Getting hired for a job is a matching market. You can't just show up for work. You have to be hired. And, And of course, they can't just tell you to show up for work. They have to convince you to come to work. Getting admitted to college is a matching market. You can't just show up and take classes. You have to be admitted. So matching markets like like those, and I I mention all of those in the book, um, are markets that have other institutions than just those institutions that help prices be discovered. Uh, There are admissions processes for colleges. There are interviews and uh, maybe performance evaluations for job markets. Uh, There's courtship for marriages. So in some of these markets, prices play a big role, but they don't play the only role. And in some of the matching markets I talk about, we don't let prices play any role. Uh, for example, for school choice, for public schools. And my colleagues and I have gotten to design school choice systems in a number of American cities. Um, and one of the things that I talk about quite a bit and that I'm working on currently is kidney exchange, how to, how to match patients and donors uh, so that, that people with, with kidney failure can, can live normal lives.
1: Could you actually go into maybe a little bit of the specifics related to your work in the New York City school system or the kidney exchange program? Well,
0: we can start with New York City schools. Um, so marketplaces in general have to deal with congestion. And New York City had a lot of congestion problems. New York City is our biggest municipal school system. And uh, almost 90,000 children enter ninth grade each year. So. They had to be assigned schools, and what they used to do is have a semi-centralized system where students would fill out forms, and these would be distributed to the high schools that they were interested in applying to. Uh, And then the high schools would make decisions, and the Department of Education would send admissions letters. But some children, about 17,000 a year, were admitted to multiple high schools, and so the whole process had to wait while they decided which one to take, and then new letters would go out. And this was a congested process, about 30,000 children a year uh, ran out of time and had to be assigned to schools that they hadn't expressed any preference for. So among the things my colleagues and I did was help them organize a computerized clearinghouse that, that relieved some of that congestion. Uh, But another thing marketplaces have to do is they have to make it safe to participate in. And one way that New York City wasn't safe for families to participate in is they would ask you what's your first choice, what's your second choice, what's your third choice. But then they would show those answers to the schools that you were applying to. And lots of school principals would adopt the rule that says we won't admit a student unless they list us as their first choice. So it wasn't safe to just put down. As your first choice, the school you liked best. You had to instead think very strategically about which was the best school you could get into if you said it was your first choice. And so we also helped fix that. With kidneys, you know, one of the other things that marketplaces have to do is they have to be thick. They have to have enough participants. New York City schools didn't have that problem because the law requires 14-year-olds to go to ninth grade. But with kidney exchange, there are um, living donors. There, there are as many living donors uh, in the United States now as there are deceased donors. Um, that's not true in Germany, incidentally, because of the, the German law is very different about that. But sometimes you're healthy enough to give someone a kidney, but you can't give a kidney to the person you love who, who needs a kidney because kidneys have to be well-matched. And so if you're in that situation and I'm in that situation, maybe I can give a kidney to your patient and you can give a kidney to my patient and that's a kidney exchange and it's also a matching market.
1: Turning the gaze a little bit here to Berlin where we're currently sitting, is there a way to apply the matching market theory to the challenges that currently exist here in regards to the refugee crisis and refugee resettlement placement?
0: Well, I think that refugee resettlement is definitely a matching problem. You can't just choose where refugees will go, and neither can they just choose. Um, in the United States, our refugee resettlement policy for a while was to try to spread refugees thinly across the country so there would hardly be any in any one place, and the thought was that that would make it easier for them to assimilate. But of course, once you come to the United States you're free to move anywhere you like. So there's a big population of Somali Americans now who came as refugees in Maine. Now Maine is cold and snowy, it's not at all like Somalia. What makes it attractive is there's a Somali community there. And so even if it were a good idea to spread refugees thinly across the country, it's not something we're able to do because they prefer to to be together. So there's, there's something to learn from that. We have to take into account the fact that they can move around and that they like to be uh, together. And and incidentally, having a community often helps you assimilate into the economy. If um, I live in California, for example, and if you're a Spanish-speaking migrant uh, to California, you can find work even before you learn English, because you can find someone who will talk to you in Spanish and talk to the customers in English. But if you were moved to some Northern state, uh, you know Wyoming, say, um, or Wisconsin, uh, you might have to learn English before you could find a job. So it's not at all clear that, that, that the refugees aren't telling us something that we should learn, which is how to integrate them into the economy. And I think that part of a good refugee resettlement process will eventually have to elicit lots of information in advance of resettlement uh, in order to make sensible plans on, on both sides.
1: So, are there any specific takeaways that perhaps Germany could apply then that were learned from the United States?
0: Well, right now it's hard in the midst of of a crisis. Um, but of course, there after the current crisis is over, there are still going to be refugees, and and possibly many of them. You know, if if in the next fifty years the the sea level rises, there'll be lots of refugees. And so we need to think now and learn now from current experience about what's the best way to handle them. And certainly some of the discussion we're already seeing has to do with being able to interview them and, and get information from them in their country of first refuge rather than, than being surprised when they, when they show up at the door.
1: Does technology make market design more challenging or provide more opportunities?
0: Well, it, it might do both. Certainly, technology has changed what kind of markets can exist. So it's hard to think of eBay or even Amazon existing before the Internet. And it's hard to think of Uber existing before the smartphone. You couldn't call an Uber on your office computer. You need to have it in your hand, and it has to know where you are. So so the the combination of technologies that allow... You to hold something in your hand that has a GPS axis and a telephone axis and can can call a taxi makes marketplaces possible that weren't possible before. On the other hand, market design is an ancient human activity, and markets have always marketplaces have always had to help markets become thick by bringing enough people together. They've had to help them deal with congestion once they bring a lot of people together, how to, how to evaluate all the possible transactions, and they have to make them safe to participate in. So there are some ancient characteristics of market design that, that still apply to, to markets using internet or smartphones or any other technology.
1: And one final question, what do you see as the greatest challenge for you looking forward into the future? I know you're currently working on kidney exchange, for example, but is there another uh, market, perhaps, that you see as a particular challenge going forward?
0: Well, I think that refugee resettlement is going to uh, be worth careful study, both both thinking about how to design protocols. Uh, you know, Right now, we, we have things like the uh, Dublin Regulation, which says that when refugees talk to some to some authority that that's where they should stay and that that makes it especially hard to transmit information back and forth before people have have moved um, so I think that there'll be things we learn from the current experiences even if we're not yet in a position to be very helpful in the in the current crisis but I, w- I would think that that's something to, to look at very carefully and learn about because I don't anticipate that that uh, that the refugee that the refugee problems we're going to see are temporary. The current set of refugees may shift to another one, but I think refugees are always going to be with us.
1: Dr. Roth, thank you very much for your time and for speaking with us here at the American Academy in Berlin.
0: Well, thank you. I'm delighted to be here. Thank you for listening to our Beyond the Lecture series, a podcast brought to you by the American Academy in Berlin. Our producer today is Christina Gonzalez in Berlin, and the music for today's show is by our former Ingemar and Otto fellow in music, composer Elliot Sharp. For more about the American Academy, please visit our website, americanacademy.de.